Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Ireland's Favourite Podcast. This week we'll be talking about Irish legends and mythology. But before we crack on, allow me to introduce your two hosts for this podcast. My name is Patrick and in honour of today's topic, I would compare myself to a member of the mythical Irish band of warriors known as the Fianna. Intelligent, brave and above all else, loyal. Loyal to this podcast. And my good friend and co-host here beside me, in a similar fashion, could be compared to that famous Irish legend, Darby O'Gill, a keen storyteller, curious of mind, and all too familiar with the world of little people. It is Jono, of course. Wow. <laughs> Low in so mm. many different so yeah. many different interpretations of the yeah. word. Wow. Yeah, that, that, that was a high joke, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. not above that. <laughs> yeah, you need to explain that. Well, I love Darby O'Gill, the film. And so good, yeah. I'll take that. I'll somehow twist that up and swallow it as a compliment. And uh, I'm gonna help we'll, you we'll, we'll find a way forward. But uh, thank you for the wonderful introduction mm-hmm. there. That's, uh, yeah, you're a member of Zafina. Fina Gale, is it? Yeah. The Fina Gale you remember of, Patrick? It's just Fina, um, just Fina. There's no second word. <laughs> and loyal to this podcast. Mm. Remember, you get, we get mm. offers. <laughs> well, you know, episode three went down very well. We're having back alley meetings. It's not the usual back alley meetings, of course. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> With those <gyms>. Questionable. <laughs> no, no, loyal to this podcast. You were sure you were buying fruit off that guy down that lane. Anyway. I would like to point out that uh, today's source material, I suppose, in a way, or inspiration, has come from the guys and girls and call it Bukles, August Kali, of um, Irish Central, saying that probably a lot of them from the Netherlands and Germany or something who worked. But anyway, all are, are welcome in Irish Central, of course, and uh, we'd like to thank them for um, <clears throat> giving us the source material today. If you want to, yeah, I would say check it out. It is a website for the Irish uh, diaspora. And I have been on this website a couple of times, actually. Of you, actually. It's I, a tiny thing that you stumble across, isn't it? If you yes. do a random, like you're looking for something and you do a word plus word and you get, yeah, if it's anything Irish related, they have the, they, they, they really own the, SC, the Irish SEO market. I they certainly do. They certainly it's do. a good thing. <laughs> So today's topic, what are you, how are you feeling about it? Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's an exciting one. It's um, mythology, le- legend and mythology and fairy tales, shall we say. Yeah, it's great. It's, it kind of brings you back to the stories that you were big in your childhood. I, I hope that kids today are still learning this kind, of, this yeah. kind of crap. They were my favorite things in, in school by a mile. Obviously, you know, when you're in like proper small school, did you have story time, surely, like in the class where you would like, mm. the teacher would read out a story and you'd kind of just go asleep for half an hour? Yeah, I, I struggled to remember back that far, but that's really reasonable. Yeah. yeah, it's one of the earliest, you know, probably five or something, five or six, something like that. I do remember it and I loved, loved these stories. And as you say, I do hope that kids today are kind of, which I'm sure they are, Irish mythology is known around the world in different guises, like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because of uh, speaking of the, the diaspora, it's really yeah. Like I, I think when people think of Ireland, obviously you have the many things we mentioned already: the Guinness, you know, Guinness, Lush Green Fields, all of those kind of things. But you know, mythology, the most obvious being leprechauns, um, 
I'm going to say St. Patrick with the slight chance of offending all the Christian people <laughs> who are like, it's definitely not a myth. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, all of those kind of yeah. things. And Very rich, uh, I don't know, heritage in Ireland for, for that kind really? of stuff, this kind of thing. Right for us to discuss. The other thing I was going to mention, um, Paddy, or... Oh, yeah. Uh, I think we should mention the fact that loads of people have listened to the podcast and mm-hmm. being sound and very sound we would like to say thanks for that absolutely thank you thanks around the world it's, yeah. yeah it's 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 it's, very, it's, it's humbling really because we, we have sight to some some analytics so we can see see who's see roughly kind of the, the the location of where our listeners are so it's 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 very it's very nice to to, to know that there are people out there who are getting some kind of kick out of this and special mention they were, we brought them up last time, John, didn't we? You called them the vegetable people, cruelly. <laughs> I would never debase them like that. The, I want to change we, the names. <laughs> I want to call oh, them yeah. the, the mussels from Brussels. There we the go. Mussels from Brussels. Yeah, if, if you yeah. are our our listenership in Belgium, the capital of Belgium specifically, please do reach out to us. Um, we'd like to hear, what, we'd like to know your rationale for why the hell you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> and how can they reach out to us, John? They can reach out to us via uh, Instagram by following Ireland's favorite podcast, and uh, you'll find us. I think it's Ireland's favorite pod as the handle, isn't it? But you'll also yeah, get a, yeah. a few snippets of our previous pods, which we, uh, yeah, we thought were funny, and uh, we <laughs> <laughs> we always think we're funny. <laughs> we, we well, well, entertaining, I suppose, and yeah, that's the that's the that's the truth. We we do think we're entertaining. You may think we are. You may not think we are, but. Ultimately, my two blogs, podcasting and having a laugh, as they say. Fellas over there, having a laugh, as they would mm. say back in the day. There's a couple of lads there. Great time. Yeah, yeah. And we'll, 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 we'll park that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you for stopping me. <laughs> it was an infinite loop of having yeah. a laugh. Go for your father, Teddish, there. It was like... Righty, Jonathan, uh, put you in charge of the sourcing a sponsor this week. Uh, let us know what it is. Okay, so obviously we made so much money from the first sponsors that I thought, you know, why not be a little bit altruistic and, you know, give a little bit back, as they say. So I put it out there. I put a, a notice out there on the forum. There is no form, but... Uh, <laughs> it's a metaphorical form. A metaphorical form, and we receive metaphorical responses. Right. Specifically from Iswip. Iswip, you say? Ispwip. Ispwip. Correct. Okay. I-S-P-W-P. Right. Okay. And what exactly does that stand for? I don't know, but some guy called Jack or Jacques or something like that sent it. So he sent in this this tape here, said they're like, I don't know, based in Africa or something, mm. African charity. So, you know, they're obviously doing good stuff. Uh, probably should have listened to it, but pff, fuck it, let's just throw it on. Okay, then. Scorching sun, parched earth, broken spirit. What would you do if your livelihood was threatened? My forefathers worked this land for generations. What would you do if all the things you prized in life were taken away from you? It's a bloody tragedy what's happening right now in our land. 
Right now, that is exactly what is happening across the southern plains of Africa. But it doesn't need to be like this. For just 10 pounds a month, you can buy bullets for people like Faf. His bullets are super strong and hard. They help pierce the animal's brain and explode from the inside. Or contribute towards LMA's relocation from Louisiana to a five-star resort on the savannah. I always wanted to go to Africa, but I never wanted to be around Africans. We must do what we can to keep poachers like Faf and Elame out in the wild doing what nature intended them to do. Maim and kill endangered animals. Please give what you can to the International Society for the Protection of Wildlife Poachers today. For too long, Ebony has pushed us out of our land and way of doing things. It's time that we push back and fill it full of ivory again. Glorious ivory. Right. ISPWIP, the International Society for Protection of Wildlife Poachers there, Jonathan. Did you, did you think to look that up at all? No. No, I didn't. And that's regrettable. That's a, mm. It's a regrettable thing. Maybe, I don't know, is it... Let's just move on. <laughs> yeah, okay. Let's let's get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, look, let's kick it off. And this week, uh, I will be starting. I, I kind of got this wrong in, when we were research, well, researching it. I, I always call this story the Salmon of Knowledge. I suppose that it's mm. technically wrong because the Salmon of Knowledge is, is its own story in itself. But what it, apparently it's part of the young, young adventures of Flynn McCool. Uh, <laughs> I'd watch that. But, um, <laughs> Sounds more like a kind of so do I. It sounds like a yeah. TCC show from like 1991 or something. The Disney, something um, on the Disney Club. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know about that's like a budget there. It's be strictly low budget. But uh, yeah. Anyway, so it's the story of when Finn McKill encounters the Salmon of Knowledge. So you know the story, Harry, I presume. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a story. I'd like to hear your your recap of it. The recap. Cap of the story, of course. So, Finn McCool was actually, funny enough, a member, went on uh, to become a member of <laughs> the FINA, NAFINA. So, yeah, the, the story is he was part of NAFINA later in life, but as a young boy, he was, I suppose, like, <laughs> you would have to class him as aristocracy to a degree. His father was a leader in the clan. Eventually, he you know, his father would be killed by a rival clan, all this kind of stuff. And it, it leads up to the story of the Salmon of Knowledge and his encounter with them, uh, with it. When I, it seems to me, I suppose, he's an adolescent, maybe like 10, teenager, young teenager, something like that. So he basically comes across a poet called Finnegus. And he meets this poet at what seems to be, and you see different sources, but the River Boyne. And again, I'll say this now, so I want to keep contradicting or going over myself. There are different sources, so you do get different interpretations, etc. Uh, but one of the, the, the classical kind of interpretations of the story is that he meets this uh, poet called uh, Finnegus. Finnegus is trying to catch some of the knowledge. It's, it's, it's prophesized that he will catch it uh, someday. And the salmon of knowledge is called such uh, called as such because it ate 
four acorns of a magical tree. Which again, I didn't know that bit. Did you not? That's, that's the last stop my head, no. That's the story of the salmon of knowledge. That's its own story, basically. So it, it um, yeah, they, they these four acorns. So that salmon itself got its knowledge from somewhere else. From acorns, hmm. Patrick, from I'm, acorns, yeah. from the acorns of wisdom. Yeah, <laughs> but why didn't someone just pick the acorn tree instead of trying to catch the salmon of knowledge? I'm not sure. I mean, I suppose. How wise was this Finnegus man, huh? The reason they couldn't get the acorns of knowledge was because they didn't have the squirrels of um, <laughs> <Destiny>. helpfulness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they got up to the tree. He, anyway, he got them, and now he's a salmon of knowledge. Finnegus is there trying to catch the little bastard, and eventually he does. Mm. Catches him, and that was his life's work, wasn't it? It was. It was. Of, it was. He, he really wanted to do it. Catch this fish. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> it's like a dick dastardly character. Dedicated man. <laughs> Catch the salmon. Catch <laughs> and salmon jumping out. You won't get me. <laughs> <laughs> Slaps him in the face with his wet fin. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get you, salmon. <laughs> oh, Finnegus. Yes, it's exactly how it went down. So Finn was like okay, I'm here to kind of help you sort of thing. And Finnegus was like, cook the salmon. Um, I'm going to eat that, mm. little, that little bad boy and I'm going to get all the knowledge. And he gave the salmon to Finn. Finn lashed that little bastard in the pan, you know, start cooking her up. Maybe he wasn't a pan. I don't think it expresses that necessarily. But like a spit or something like that. But uh, he goes to torn it. So uh, mm-hmm. he, does, he goes to torn the fish and in doing so, Borns his thumb. Oh. He borns his thumb, and as a natural reaction, we've all done it. He sticks his thumb in his mouth, thereby gaining the power to see uh, the future, the past, and all the stuff in the present. All the stuffs, and uh, yeah, he gains the, the wisdom of the world. So that's pretty much, yeah, that's pretty much the very well, very well told. Those lovely salmon of knowledge, yeah, and poor old fucking. Finnegus is there going seven years. Seven years I waited on that fish. <laughs> this little hungry bastard just took my knowledge. Well, he shouldn't have. He shouldn't have asked a ten-year-old boy to, to cook his dinner. No, that I agree. Cook his fish, you know, it's payment. Just any, any th- thoughts about it? Just in in general about the story itself. And I think it's given me a healthy respect for salmon mm. that I've always had. I've always liked it. I've always. Obviously, you know, like you, you eat salmon, don't you? You eat um, fish. or any any fish. Yeah, right? of course. It doesn't have to be salmon. You know the yeah. skin on the fish. Yeah, I always have this kind of like, oh, like look at it, and you know it, it crisps up the kind of scaliness. Yeah. Oh God, of the I love it. And I'm like, that's what in the back of my somewhere in my subconscious, like, that's what. Feels it's a very visual thing, isn't you know? it? Yeah, yeah. And you kind of see a blistered thumb in your yeah. head. Like, yeah. Anytime <laughs> you see a blistered thumb, yeah, you're like, yeah. oh, you might better suck it. Better suck it. <laughs> <laughs> Some fucking bus driver yeah. <laughs> smoking <laughs> cigarette. cigarette lighter. You're like, ooh, you lick that. Get some knowledge off you. <laughs> yes, you got a fucking dig. <laughs> We've been warped by it. Uh, yeah, I think like yeah, it's any time. Burnt finger, cooking fish equals knowledge in my mind. Yeah. Know, what what, what you got? You got any? What are your thoughts? Is well, like, with you? they say you know yourself. They say myths are. You know, their purpose, I suppose, is to explain the values and belief systems and stuff of a culture at a time. Do you know what I mean? So you have like the, the, the Greek fucking myths and the, the Roman myths and, you know, tragedy and comedy and all those kind of things and what they represent, how humans interpret the world. So 
I suppose I was thinking about what does that say about Irish culture? Um, and let's be honest, I mean, just to give a bit of background, I suppose, about this to people who don't know, like Irish myths were oral, uh, orally passed down for hundreds of years. I mean, these stories at their very, very core, you know, if you go back to it, are probably thousands of years old, <laughs> like, you know I mean? yeah. in essence. And they were only, they were only written down when obviously the Christian monks started to, to write them. And that was only a few hundred years ago. But my point is, is that if you take the essence of the story, there's no talk of a God in most of the religions and sorry, most of the myths, there's like talks of like a sun God or a pagan God and all this kind of stuff. Whereas in this, it's just purely about, he goes to assist somebody. So I think that's kind of nice in, in essence. And it, you know, there's a purity to that, to learn. Yeah. The fact that a salmon is a very, you know, like a salmon itself, you wouldn't even call a salmon an intelligent creature, I suppose. Do you know what I mean? Like you could almost, you could almost, if someone were to say the owl of knowledge, mm. do you know what I mean? Yeah. It has a more natural, so I actually get a sense of kind of irony from her, a little bit of kind of tongue and cheekiness, I think in a way, do you know what I mean? And I, what I'm trying to say is you, you have that, you have the fact that it's a poet that he's going to, to help. I think it, there are essence, essences of Irish, what people would perceive Irish culture, and we, we perceive Irish culture as over and, and, and the And the kind of, I don't even just looking too much into it, but the, the hard luck story elements of yeah your man Finnegus's his life's work kind of you know sat like kind of tragically stolen away in a kind of pathetic yeah. almost pathetic kind of way like yeah. oh why why <laughs> you know it's it's, oh, it's my fault kind of thing that's the kind wah, of you know, there's, a bit of, there's a sense of that in the Irish psyche isn't there the kind of what why, why me melancholiness you know kind of yeah definitely um, so I think yeah I was thinking of um, obviously the you get different things from different stories, but I think for for this one, that's that's what I I pretty much got for. It. And I really, yeah, I really like the story. It's one of my favorites, I would say, mm. of all of them. Animals seem to make up a huge part of our story. You know what I mean? This was the is it pre Christianity? Uh, yeah, well, Probably yeah, eventually it was stories are yeah, pagan but Ireland. Just on that, I'm thinking if I was back, you know, roaming around. By the way, save the cobblestone. Save the cobblestone. Save the cobblestone. By the time this this is this is published, the cobblestone might be a five star luxury resort. So, hope not. Not a disgrace. There's a protest this weekend. I'm going in for. I was thinking, if I were a wee lad running around, fucking maybe, what kind of stories would I come up? If I was a bard, you know. Oh yeah. Many would say you're a modern day bard, but yeah, okay, I can like I'll go with you on this. Yeah, but in particular. What animals would feature heavily in those stories? So, okay, I'm going to give you a few of them. I got four here. I've got four. Okay, tradition. yeah, <laughs> you've, broken you've been, tradition. You've been working hard. So the first up, we have the ferret of my Ross. Okay, uh, the rabbit of terror. Okay, I think I've encountered that. <laughs> the silly Billy Crow. Okay, <laughs> uh, and the sea urchin of Ballymun. <laughs> Ballymun, Ballymun, famous for its coastline. Yes, yes, it did. And uh, I also, after writing those, I realized that they're potential names for future gangsters as well. <laughs> Particularly the last one. Particularly. <laughs> and I look forward to the, the gritty, orty retelling of the sea so urchin I, of Ballymun. Yeah. I sorry, Aidan Gillen. Yeah, Aidan Gillen. <laughs> it's the sea urchin. They don't call me the sea urchin. <laughs> Not for nothing. <laughs> I'm a prickly bastard. That's why they call me sea urchin. <laughs> you've, you've proven yourself as the bard, all right. 
so yeah, anyway. Okay, Patrick, that was uh, Fium, Finn, Fion, Fiona, Fiona, Fiona McCool. Fion, Fiona McCool. They're all singing that. All the women down the bind. Until William the Conqueror came along and said, you're out here. I need to drive me orange linen on the banks of the bind. And that's how they have the orange order today, famously. So that's it. Well, let's move on to the next one. Okay, next up. Is that a cat howling? Is that the wind blowing? Or is it just a drunken woman crying in a bush? No, it's none of the above, but of course it is the Banshee coming to warn us all about an impending death. Jonathan, next up on the list, we're going to be discussing the Banshee. I thought so. I, I thought that. I got that. Down there. Yeah, that's nice, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, for a second there, I thought it was a howling wolf yeah. or something, yeah. or a woman in a bush crying, which is kind of sad. I mean, it's mm. seriously concerned but for that woman. For the uninitiated, a Banshee, from the Irish words ban she, <laughs> which means I don't know. It's make I think literally it's woman of the mound, but I think oh, ban is ban is woman. Ban, ban is woman, but I think it's fairy woman is what it actually means. Hmm. So it's a is a female spirit um, in Irish folklore who heralds the death of a family member or someone you know by making a horrible wailing sound or hmm. shrieking sound. Um, most commonly depicted as a kind of a, an old lady with kind of a Big shawl. Shawl. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, though sometimes um, described as a younger, attractive, very tall woman. Um, so it, it, it takes, there are different kind of... Contrasting. Yeah, there's always, when it comes to these kind of myths and stuff, there are different takes on them. Um, like similarly, like sometimes, I wouldn't I wouldn't have heard of these these before. Like sometimes a banshee was known to take a shape, be a shapeshifter, could have been an animal or seen kind of flying across the sky. I think you'd be. You can correct me here. I think you're probably in the same uh, mindset as me that you know the banshee is an old woman who's kind of in a field or kind of under a tree, yeah, kind of crying, making a horrible sound. I always think of Edvard Munch's Munch, you know, mm, the, the, okay. the scream. Yeah. yeah, I always think okay. of like, throw a shawl over that, throw a little bit of scraggly grey hair, <laughs> oh, like like yeah, like scream, scream yeah, the movie. A banshee. Did you know? Yeah. So the noise itself that the banshee makes. Yeah, yeah, type thing. It has there's a, there's a name for that. There's a word, an Irish word. It's keen. So keening is the is what the what the what the, the banshee does. I, I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna show some notes. I'm, I'm gonna say mm. I think. Do you ever hear a like a cat when it makes that weird horrible baby scream at nighttime? You know when you're coming home at night. Oh yeah, yeah. And it always seems to be at night. Maybe it's just because the road is silent or whatever. But at nighttime, yeah, I'm, yeah. that's most yeah, likely what it was. <laughs> Yeah, an animal. You know what I mean? Imagine some sort of animal. Yeah, I think I think the like I've heard that foxes were, were another one that they, they were. Maybe it's foxes it that make that noise. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm thinking cats. Well, I just what I was getting onto there was keening. The word is it's a, it's kind of like a lamenting wailing sound, but it got me thinking that it could be a here's a, here's a pitch for a television show, keening and kell, <laughs> keening and keening and yell. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So it's it's about two teenage banshees who right. live in uh, who live in Connemara. <laughs> right. Is this on uh, TG Cahar? TG Cahar, yeah, yeah. And are they facing regular day everyday troubles like you know like boy uh, everyday troubles, troubles that a teen might you know like I just can't stop wailing in his face. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Not getting a, not getting invited to the Debs. I went to grab some boob and then she wailed in my face. And my sister died. Someone close to me died. <laughs> I don't know if I got bitch. You date. I literally have it's the fifth date. I have no family left. <laughs> don't know why. It's just that that's that shawl he doesn't <laughs> just that goddamn sexy shawl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know what your personal take on. Do you have a personal take or is there any kind of well, look, on? Uh, to me, it's always been associated with mourning. You know what I mean? I know it's it's a it's a foreteller of death, I suppose. But the idea of an older woman wailing, I suppose, conjures the image of me of, a, of a, an older woman who had her husband pass away. Do you know what I mean? And she mm-hmm. is whatever at the at the wake, and she's grieving and sobbing or whatever. You know, I think. I mean, in terms of the actual practical reality of where the myth came from, as I said, I think it's more to do with the kind of some sort of animal animal yeah i don't know it's but in terms of the poetic yeah, yeah i think i think i agree like i think there's something there's something in this banshee myth that it's probably i know we're not ranking them or anything like that but i think no. it's it's probably one of my favorite type like individual pieces of irish folklore that you can say. there's something just something there's something very like i'm just gonna say it's something very i and there's something about like a real kind of like a real emotion like i think you're saying like the idea of a woman an old woman wailing even if it doesn't mean that someone is going to die, is a very upsetting visual. There are other similar similarities um, in other cultures, uh, other kind of myth, myth, mythological women in other cultures, in other Celtic countries, should I say. So in Scotland, they have, uh, in Scottish folklore, they have a Ban Nig, Ban Ni, which is, uh, I think, in, in Scots Gaelic, is the little washerwoman who would be seen washing like kind of blood-stained clothes like your blood-stained clothes oh. or like the blood the clothes of a loved one and you're like oh crap there's my wife's gonna die and in wales again they have as i'm gonna have i'm gonna butcher this like something like that uh similar again old lady old lady who's a harbinger of death the same with but just on on the summon of knowledge as well there is a mm. obviously there's, there's a welsh interpretation oh right yeah they, they mentioned the scottish one but definitely a welsh one mm. interesting it's, it's funny how yeah, these shared stories but even more uh, impressively there was a banshee and you like this one john in an episode of the 1980s cartoon series real ghostbusters and okay. i mean there's nothing potential there's nothing particularly interesting in that but the plot of the card, this particular episode of the cartoon, was there was an Irish pop singer called Shauna O'Callaghan, who was actually a banshee. She kind of mesmerized and enthralled the Ghostbuster Peter Venkman, who fell in love with her. Which isn't actually what a banshee does, but you know, it's still nice to have Irish representation in, what, uh, in popular is, culture. What's what's real Ghostbusters? Did you know this thing? It's just the cartoon series of. The Ghostbusters. The Ghostbusters. It's just called Real Ghostbusters. Oh, but yeah. then I remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pretty good. Um, um, yeah, and it was just kind of styled in like a, a Sinead O'Connor type thing. Which I don't even funny. We're, oh, it's, it's obviously based. Yeah, slow. Uh, so a homage to Sinead. Yeah, O'Connor. I think so. I think so. The other thing we haven't mentioned as well, Paddy, is the elephant in the room as well. Like we've already spoke about Darby O'Gill. Like she's a big fucking major character in that film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh God, that now that is a scary. That was terrifying. Of, of a film. Terrifying. And my mind's eye, you know, I do see a banshee, I think almost 
very similarly to it's absolutely thinking about it now, if anyone hasn't seen Darby O'Gill and the little people I'd urge you, I mean it, it's it's there's a, there's a bit of a, there's a bit of kind of like it's, it's a very stereotypical take on Irish uh, of course society. novelty but, kind of but it's nice and yeah that scene there is a kind of a vision of death type thing um mm. it's cool yeah chilling so you should look come that up. to me Darby <laughs> it's in the chat in the chariot or something chariot of death I'm gonna, yeah and it's going up yeah. to the sky oh geez that's, that's terrifying yeah. but uh, to end on a lighter but, note I have something that I'm going to go out the women and say you liked this very popular occult status crisp in our in ah. oh. and am I right in thinking Jesus. I, that's got you written all over I'm talking about no. Banshee Bones no 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 really no. thought that was your kind of I crisp. was never ever found two two crisps that were absolutely adored by peers and yeah. not by myself were Banshee Bones and Monster Munch always hated both of those oh wow hate them I never really ate Banshee Bones myself what flavour do you I don't even, like, they're, they're, well, like the, you know they're back they're back in the shops now oh I've seen them in the pubs as well, you know, just they're kind of like crisps and bulbs. It's hip, yeah, but they're incredibly vinegar. I, I, I mm. say I go as far as to say just a vinegar flavor. <laughs> I think they're meant to be salt and vinegar, but it's Jesus packs a punch. Heavy, like it's so, it's so very up actually. That's probably why they have them in pubs. Yeah, a lot of people do like them in fairness, though. And then just on that subject, not to get too far off, see, chicken teas bring out a cheese flavor. Yeah, which <laughs> for some reason, Paddy, and I'm not ashamed to admit this, I think I was about 20 years of age when I realized. I was like, hold on a second, these aren't cheese flavored crisps. I always thought mm. they were cheese flavored, and well, then I didn't cop on that they have a chicken in the front of them. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't think they were. Yeah, I'm actually, you know, I think you're onto something. Pretty certain. I, I, and you, and you know what? I, I know. I, I know we're we're not supposed to mention the T word on this podcast anymore, but both cheese teas and banshee bones are potato. That man's sack is full. His spud <laughs> sack is full. <laughs> The spud sack spilleth over. Okay. Okay, 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 okay. Okay. Two letters of the alphabet. And uh, the good ones. But um, next up, Paddy, it's one of my personal faves. I'm sure it is for a lot of people considering how popular it is, it is I suppose. And it's... Children of Lear. Very good. Where That's does funny. Children of Lear rank among your? Um, yeah, I think it is a. It's one of the classics. It's one of the known ones. If you were to be, someone put a gun to hit your head and name a, an Irish myth story, that it would mm. be one that comes to mind. But I would say for me, is I get a bit muddled, and that this might. I'm sure this might uh, open up as we as you start talking about yeah. it. But yeah. I get a bit muddled with the details when I was trying to remember it and kind of read up on it. I was like... Me, me too. Yeah. Me too, definitely. I, I thought I had an idea of what happened in the story. And I do know, I knew vague kind of, you know, pieces of it, but definitely the full story didn't, didn't really, yeah. Didn't. The, the, the Irish stories are often, like, if you, if you look at, like, the previous Salmon of Knowledge, they're often very, they're not climactic. Do you know what I mean? They're not very... What would the word be? Climactical? Is that word? <laughs> Climactical? <laughs> Climactic. 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 Do you know what I mean? Like, they don't, okay. they don't, like, like when you look at like, fucking Greek myths and stuff like that, that usually quite, you know, you, you, you go on a journey on those things, like, you mean, there's lots of ups and downs, and it usually leads in a kind of, 
battle or something, some something like that. Whereas Irish tales seem to be just they kind of meander a little bit. I find they're meandering. Yeah, they are meandering. I think it's safe to say it is definitely one of Ireland's most famous myths, legends, stories, whatever way you want to put it. And just to give it a bit of context, I suppose, about the story itself. So it starts with Lear and Lear essentially was, so you, 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 you find different texts, you find different interpretations of this, but essentially, and I, sorry, I just have to hark back to a point we made on previous topic, which was some of the knowledge. I think that, you know, a lot of, a lot of this is oral tradition, you know, it's handed down from hundreds of years to from generation to the next generation. And, and only really during the kind of Christianity period, when we had kind of monks documenting things, uh, did they really put their, put it into paper, you know, put it into actual writing and put a formation on it, I suppose. So I'm sure whether the first iteration of this story is it's probably, probably much different than what is what we now know it as. And I think and I've got to give a shout out to our, our man, Denny, our, our mutual friend, uh, Denny, because uh, oddly enough, he's big into history. Uh, Denny, like really mm. massively into history. And he had been talking about, completely separately, I, I wasn't talking about children there, but he'd just been talking about like pre-Christian Ireland and then Christian Ireland. And what he said to me was, which I, I found interesting, that Ireland was kind of an outlier in the Christian world in that, we basically had a form of Christianity called insular Christianity. And what that is in very simple terms, basically, is that it was Christianity mixed with paganism and mixed with, you know, our, our, our older beliefs, our older pagan Celtic beliefs, and blend they basically blended it with Christianity. And this, the Children of Lyra, is a, is a perfect example of that. It's kind of a new, an old age meets a new age. So, for example... Lear himself was a member of the Tua de Danan, and they are, I suppose, the best way of looking at them is that they were kind of semi-gods, like demigods, you know. They roamed Ireland before humans or people roamed Ireland, and as such, they had kind of mystical powers and stuff like that. But the children of Lear, when, and as I said, when it was documented, it did become a kind of, how would you say, kind of... Uh, you know, infiltrated, I suppose, with, with Christian Christianity and, and Christian kind of ideals, should we say. So, long story short, would you like me to get into... Yeah, yeah. I mean, thanks, Dennis, for the, the little the little tidbit of history there. Yes. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, no, please take us away, Jonathan. Take us back to the time okay. of the Children of Lear. <laughs> That's us going back to Children of Air, everyone. Wow. It's not it's not so many swans monsters. around here. <laughs> it's not the putty monsters from Power Rangers. <laughs> Although some might say it's closely, closely similar to that. So yeah, we're back. It's it starts with Lear. And Lear essentially wanted to be uh, so he was he was a an excellent warrior, a very proud man, had lots of ability and leadership. And he wanted to be the leader of the Tua to Danan. So he had gone to the ceremony and to his annoyance, a guy called Bove Derg was elected ahead of him. So Sounds like a cool I, dude. Cool dude. Sounds like a blues, a blues musician or something. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> as a result, basically Lear through the head and wasn't very happy. He basically wouldn't engage in the ceremony and the customs around anointing uh, Bove, I suppose. And he stormed out and he basically went back home to his little 
stronghold, I suppose, up north. And I was like, I'm not happy at all. Um, so basically, Bove, being a, a kind of wise king, I suppose, wise leader, said, I really, you know, he recognized the value of Lear and recognized that he was a good man. And he didn't want uh, to have him kind of have any ill will towards him, I suppose. So he basically tried to appease him and said, look, you know, let's let's work together, I suppose. Now, fortunately, while this was going on, Lear's wife died and, you know, he left him in, a, I suppose, a worse state uh, than he was before. However, in seeing this happening, both thought, look, this is well, very sad. Is actually an opportunity here to create a bond or a pact, I suppose. So what he did was, both had three daughters and they were renowned throughout the land as being beautiful and intelligent. And he offered one of the daughters to Lear as a wife. So Lear, having known about these, uh, about his daughters, grudgingly accepted, let's say. <laughs> and, uh, oh, he knew about the daughters, did he? Oh, he knew about the daughters. The daughters were... <laughs> so he dropped all his, all his kind of political yeah. <laughs> things that he'd been working that on. That was gone by the way, so yeah. But up and down this country, Paddy, there were like Wattle and Dob homes with, with pictures of these daughters all over the, the bedroom walls of teenage. Kind of Cullen's wall was plastered with... <laughs> mysterious marks on the Waddle. <laughs> Cleaning my foothold, mother, and leave me alone. Clean my slitter, mom. <laughs> so yeah, they were renowned and they were beautiful. And he said, "Yeah, fair enough. I'll, I'll, I'll take that one of their hand to manage." And and that turned out to be. It, there's a bit of confusion over the name. It's either Ave or Neve. Okay. But Blair loved this woman, and they had children. They had four children. They had one girl and three sons. So the girl was Fanula. One of the other boys was Aid. And they had two twins, Fikra and Khan. Not long after this, uh, for poor old Lear, he's a bad run of luck, uh, mm-hmm. I suppose. Although it must be said that the, the wife here is probably Sexy worse wife, off. Well. Yeah, uh, she died. Yeah, So yeah, left the four children basically to be, yeah, you know, under Lear's. Lear was like, you know, three men and a baby sort of thing in the, in the, in the kind of um, in the clan, you know, they were like, who looks after these children? We don't know. This is not what we do. We, we war and we drink. So both being a, a guy himself, an old school guy <laughs> was like, you know what? You can have another door. <laughs> so, oh, he's very generous. Both Bob is extremely generous. I'm getting the feeling that Bob probably didn't like his daughters from the sound. <laughs> so trying to get rid of them. But, um, so basically, yes, look, it said, yeah, I, I need a mother for, for my children. So he married Aoife. Okay. And Aoife loved the children. But then after a while, well, she had... Aoife must have been a bit like the... Who uh, was the middle child in the Brady Bunch? Everyone's talking about Marsha. So Marsha got the eldest. Yeah, but she got picked second. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. I mean, you're, you're not going to... Yeah, you're not going to really... You're going to have issues there, wouldn't you? You're going to be like, well, I'm second best. Absolutely. Yeah. Didn't really want me for it. Yeah. So. Lear had a life of passive aggressiveness ahead of him with, uh, in that relationship. I would say so. Nagging. I would say so. Maybe maybe this is what happened because after some time, Eva, whilst obviously adoring uh, Lear, became very, very jealous mm. of the children. So I'll, I'll shorten this a little bit. I know I'm going to meander them at the start. But basically, after some time, 
Aoife said, do you know what? I'm going to bring the children to Bove, to my father's place. And Lear, having great respect for Bove and knowing that Bove loved it, the, the grandchildren, said, yes, no problem. So on the way, Aoife stopped the carriage and asked that they all get out. So at that point, she asked all of her servants, or, well, she got her servants together and said, look, I will pay whoever kills those children very, okay. very handsome, handsomely. Yeah. Being good old moralistic servants said, no, uh, we're not going to do that. That's a, a terrible thing to do. And so Eva said, okay, well, I'm going to do it myself. And she strode towards the children with sword in her hands. But as she got there, she realized she couldn't do it. She didn't have the, the, the will to do it, basically. So she dropped the sword. So she took them on a little bit further. They all go back into the carriage. Now, for some reason, this is explained this way in the story. I don't know why the children and everyone else just decided to say, oh, that's grand. Uh, <laughs> you know, let's, let's, let's play on. The momentary slip there from Aoliva. Someone uh, returns. <laughs> so at the next point, she said, you know what, children? Why don't you get out and have a little swim? Um, you know, it's a long old day. Go for a, a dip. <laughs> You've been through a lot on this trip. Been through a lot, been through a lot. <laughs> Cool down, cool down. So she took them to Loch uh, Derbrick to bathe. And as they got into the water, she cast a spell. Oof. And that spell turned each of the children into four white swans. Mm. Now, at this point, the kids looked down and realized with horror on seeing their reflection that they'd been changed into swans. So Finula, being the eldest, challenged uh, Eve and said, why, why are you doing this? You know, because to the children up to this point, they loved Aoife and had no real understanding as to why this was happening. Strangely, Aoife kind of realized what she'd done and kind of slightly relented a little bit. So she said, unfortunately, I cannot change you back. The spell is too powerful. But what I can do is give you beautiful voices and be renowned throughout the land for having great voices. And you'll be able to speak, obviously, because you'll be able to sing. But you're going to spend 300 years in this lake, 300 years in another lake, and then 300 years in uh, the West Coast, in the, in the West Coast of Ireland, the Atlantic. And only when a bell tolls and when a king from the north marries a queen from the south will you be free. So Aoife goes off leaves the kids to, to wallow, uh, goes back to Bove, plans nothing's happening. Suddenly Bove's like, where's the kids? Sends a message down to Lear's place. Lear's like, what are you talking about? We're supposed to be with you. He bleeding, legs it out. Obviously realizes something's wrong. Halfway there, he passes the lake and he hears this beautiful singing. And then he hears his name being called by unmistakably his children. But when he looks into the lake, all he sees are swans. He goes to the lake. He talks to his children. They tell him what has happened. With horror, he, well, he said the night actually there and he listened to them sing. Poor son down to Bove's place, tells Bove what happened. Bove's absolutely furious, turns her into a sky demon, wow. sends her up to the sky. That's the end of Aoife. Now, unfortunately, there's nothing that can be done about the kids. So he goes back and spends as much time, this is Lear, as much time with the kids. After some time, the kids are, are obviously staying in the lake. 300 years pass. They move off to the northwest of Scotland or, or the west coast of Scotland, have a rough time of it. It's really bad weather. And eventually they fly back to Ireland. But as they're, no, actually I'm missing a very, very 
key point here. The children became so famous that when they left the initial lake to go to West Scotland, there was a decree in Ireland that said, never should a swan be killed mm-hmm. in, in, in Ireland, yeah, in respect to the children. So 300 years later, they leave West of Scotland. They're flying over where uh, Lear used to live. They drop in to see their father. But obviously, the place has gone to ruin, disrepute. Things have changed. Things are, are changing. They go to this lake, spend 300 years there, and eventually they go to the west coast of Ireland. And there they stay, find an island, and they begin, sing, begin singing. And suddenly all the birds within this round join this island. And a, a monk arrives who has heard about, about these swans, obviously from ancient history, from, from fairy tales, because it's hundreds of years later. Mekhalo, I think his name is, sorry, it's a very difficult one, really Redo myself with this service here, this Irish. Um, <laughs> but anyway, he ends up building a little hut because he wants to spend time beside the swans. Within the hut, he builds a bell because he's a monk and that's part of the church. Love a good the, bell. Bell, the bell rings, Fenula hears it, she comes down, and they end up making friends with the, with the monk because the monk is in reverence to them. Now, while this is happening, there's a king of Connacht his name is Lurgan, and he's marrying Deoch, who is the queen of Munster. And being a very demanding woman and a very, uh, I don't know how you would say, maybe, maybe superficial to a degree, she demands that those swans are taken and brought to her for her to uh-huh. keep. So Lurgan, you know, following his wife's orders, goes over over to the west coast of Ireland uh, to Met Modern Day Mayo and basically has a, a, a rail with the monk force, but suddenly pushing the monk out of the way, he goes to grab the swans and when he reaches and touches them, suddenly all the plumage disappears and there are just four very, very old people in front of him. Realising now what has happened, the king gets out of there and the monk goes to the children. And as well, I mean, old children, <laughs> geriat- geriatric children. And Fenula looks at the monk and says, please baptize us and bury us uh, where, we, where, we, where we stand, where, where we lay now. And please bury us standing upright with our arms around each other because we suffered through life for hundreds of years and we want to be, but we were together and we want to die together, holding each other. And please put a sign here to say that this is where the children of there remain. Fin, end uh, of story. Well, so that was long. Not, not I'm not sorry about that. Not a dry eye in the house. Not a, not a dry eye. Not a dry like, ear on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> not a snooze. He snoozes on the podcast, I'd say. No, that, was, that was very well told. Very, Look, very well done. I even I, I missed bits out there, but I had to get the core, the core info in. But yeah, look. That's that's the, the general gist of the story, as I said at the beginning, you know, of magical swans and spirits and magic, but at the end it's a monk and <laughs> baptizes yeah, them. Yeah. So you, you see that kind of you know merger of the uh, old see, that's that's kind of what yeah, just go, what we what we said at the, the top of this when we started talking about children of Lear was what I meant was I didn't really I didn't know what the ending was. I totally like don't know if I ever knew what the ending was. It, it wasn't mm. in my memory. And I kind of looked it up 
before. Uh, you did a good, you did a good, you, you did a good concise version there. But yeah, I'm seeing this. There's a couple of obviously different. Obviously, as you said, it's an oral there's, tradition. There's going to be different variations. Different yeah. variations. Some with no holy man, they mm. just age out and they, they they instantly die. Was one I was one I saw. Really? So, yeah. And I think there might even be a tenuous. The holy man turns out to be Saint Patrick version uh, around it. That's real revisionist stuff, I suppose. It, uh, well, well, a couple of read said that you know the holy man arrived when Saint Patrick arrived, so he was one of Saint Patrick's okay, disciples, yeah, yeah. sort of vaguely. But it's an interesting story, mainly because you know I've, I've had to kind of think about. It. I mean, there are obvious there are obvious things you have to state here, which is it's very patriarchal, uh, is what I would say. You know, if you look at the story itself, you look at the, the characters involved, you can see that although. Some of the, the women are fair. The evil woman or women, I suppose, or the, you know, the ones who are cast in, in a negative light are, are women. Um, yeah. You know, it's firstly, it's Aoife uh, and then Deic, uh, Queen Deic of Munster, who demands to have the children, whereas almost universally, the men are great. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I thought, I thought that was interesting. And the fact also as well that, that obviously women are, Commodities, do you know what I mean? There are gifts, I suppose, to be to be given. Um, but in, in in other stories, what you mentioned there actually about different variations. There's one of them called the Milanesians. This is an English kind of writer that, that documented this. So the Milanesians, essentially, as I as I described to you at the beginning, the two of the Danan, these are godlike people, you know, demigods. Whereas the Milanesians were the people, Irish people, and the way it's described in a different context is when these arrived, they defeated the two of the Danan. So during the time when the children were in the west coast of Scotland, let's say, they had defeated them and forced them to go underground. And mm-hmm. basically, that is a metaphor in a way, because what actually happened when Christianity arrived, as you probably know, the Irish Druid, obviously, is a very famous thing. Druids had to go underground. So they had to, they were still operating. They, they reckon Druids were operating for some state to this day, you know, in terms of the oral tradition of it, but obviously much, much less so. But, but they reckon at least for two, 300 years after Christianity arrived that people, and, and it was punishable by death, you know, practicing uh, paganism or, or Druidism, but it still happened. So, yeah. Um, and, and again, like we described previously in the Summon of Knowledge, the, you know, the, the, the prominence of animals uh, within you know, the swan, and art and music. Uh, I know it was a it was a poet in the Salmon of Knowledge, whereas obviously the children are, are singers in this, the, the swans are, are singers and become famous around Ireland for their voices. So it really does still tie into that very... Yeah. And, 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 and in a similar way of when you see a salmon sizzling these days, you think you might get, you might touch it because you might, mm. there's a part of you that wants to touch it. Yeah. If you see a swan... On yeah. a canal or something. Is there a little yeah. bit saying, mm, yes. you know, there's there's a kid in there. <laughs> I, I went for a, a kid and you today. think there's a kid in there. I mean, I, 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 I mean, I went for a run today, I was gonna say, and I ran past a, a pond and seen swans and thought of the children there, but that might have something to do with the fact that <laughs> we're now talking about the children of here. So slight bit of bias there, I would say. But yeah, I I I think it's I think it's an interesting old fable. And I, I must admit, Paddy, I think that the course of research in these things has, has made me, it's given me a lot of, uh, you know, a bit of Irish pride, I suppose. And that's what this podcast is all about. It is. So, yeah, I mean, 
sorry, ladies and gentlemen, I, I didn't line up any any um, one-liners or, or, or quiz-type scenario <laughs> for this one. I think I got so involved in the, the, the telling of the story and so long that we just couldn't squeeze in any fun. This is a, this has just been an indication. <laughs> <laughs> Good old school, nice. brutal Irish education. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right, and to a little, let's just to revert back to form now after that lovely educational storytelling there from 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 John. Go back to to the norm here, regress to the norm. Talk a little bit of absolute sh one t. No, because what's that coming over the hill? The next thing is a leprechaun. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Next up on the list is leprechauns. I thought it was a monster. Uh, no, no, that's that saying, I'm pretty sure that saying is, what's that coming over the, he- over the hill? It's a leprechaun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. oh I mean, are they <laughs> monsters? I suppose we'll find out. We'll soon find out. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's not a story as the in the grand fashion of uh, the Children of Lear, of course. Uh, there. Paddy, I'm genuinely interested in this. Like, I don't know where they mm. originated. Like, I have no idea why... Because there isn't a story about it. I'm like, how the fuck yeah, yeah. leprechauns come up? Yeah. A leprechaun is a diminutive, supernatural being in Irish folklore, classed by some as a type of solitary fairy. So mm. there's a bit of conflicting um, detail there, but yeah, it's some kind of subsection of fairies. And fairies are obviously very dominant in kind of Irish, Irish lore, and mm. there's different types. So I suppose a leprechaun is seemingly placed in that kind of category. You know, category, yeah, yeah, the umbrella term. And usually, I mean, this is, will be no, uh, no surprise to anyone. They're usually depicted um, as little bearded men, you know, that's mm. wearing a coat and hat who partake in mischief. Uh-huh, yeah, that's all. That's where all <laughs> we're taking leprechaun boxes here. In later times, they've been depicted as shoemakers who have a hidden pot of gold at the end of a rainbow. Oh, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah cobblers, they're kind of famous for, they, they make shoes. They're also supposed to be pretty tight with money and uh, hoard gold. So that's the kind of thing about that. Another, another, another point that will, will probably be familiar to, to people. If captured by a human, the leprechaun has magical power to grant three wishes in exchange for their freedom, which um, I believe yeah. is, the, is, is the plot of the uh, Darby O'Gill, which keeps, yeah, this, keeps yeah, popping yeah. up. All right. Yeah, I mean, the earliest known reference to a leprechaun, it, it, it is pretty far back. It's called Aictra Fergus MacLaty, Adventures of Fergus, Son of Lady. Um, it's kind of it is medieval. It's a, it's a medieval text, and uh, yeah. So I mean, it, it's just they were. It was it was a, it was a character. Like was the character was dragged to the sea by three things called loop loop or pawn, which uh, kind of over time seems to have uh, the, the word seems to have changed to leprechaun. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, they're, they're surprisingly not. It's more so, yeah, in in the vein of the I don't know mischievous pixie to kind of. Explain away bad deeds that have probably happened to you, or maybe drunken misadventures. And, and I think obviously, that's the, that's the metaphor, isn't it? That's the kind of the allegory yeah. or whatever you want to call it. But and I think as well that they're always male, aren't they? I mean, it almost every yeah, single yeah. depiction. There's never female leprechaun, is there? Like, I don't yeah, well, that's another thing that I came across researching this. There, most of the sources that I that I trawled through um, say confirm that there's no such thing as a as a as a male as a female leprechaun. Pardon me. Oh. So. They're not really sure how they reproduce. Oh, no, it's just going to say, yeah, how do they get in the bed? Well, in fact, they're probably immortal, aren't they? You know what I mean? We don't need uh, to. 
someone put them here and they're just still going around having, it, not. having the crack. But obviously, much of what uh, what we think of, what we think of Leprechaun is probably derived from, I don't know, modern, America. yeah, American times, yeah. pop culture, Irish stereotyping. The movies, I mean... Surely you've seen the movies. I mean, well, yeah, yeah. I was going to say to you, I have. It's not, it's not a quiz now, mind you, but it's. Huh. There seems to be there, there, there's a handful of the most quote unquote well known leprechauns of modern of, of pop pop culture leprechauns. Right. So I just wanted to see if you could take a stab at think when you think of leprechauns, can you put a, a name or a not, you know a description of, of where you'd see one? Well, Darby O'Gill. Darby O'Gill. Is that, yeah. is that, is that what we're talking well, about here, like in films? Yeah, or? things like that. Yeah, film, TV, product. Uh, there's that lucky charms I'm aware of, which I'm yeah. So thankfully, I've never. Darby know. O'Gill was yeah. the man, and obviously human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The leprechaun was King Brian. So. Oh, he got a name. Yeah, shit. Yeah. So King yeah. Brian, yeah, that, he had a crown a and shit as well. Like, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. King of the little people, I guess. Yeah. So what did you say after that one? You had it was Lucky Charms as well. Look, yeah, um, Lucky the Lucky Charms Leprechaun, and I guess if any Irish person's ever been to America or uh, encountered an American, they most likely will have asked you to do an impression. Where's of me, Lucky Charms? Yeah. <laughs> Look, in fairness, that's why I don't. I, I think, and this again, just hot take. I don't think they've been embraced as much in Ireland. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're depicted. You you see them in Ireland. They're depicted, but they're not. And again, I'm speaking for myself. I, I yeah, want to yeah, know yeah. your opinion, but they don't seem to me as being very warmly regarded. No, I think and, I don't think there's an element of like I don't think it's you know we t- we find them racist or distasteful or anything like that. No, like, you might, like some other cultures might find about their depiction in whatever I won't even far from yourself. places. Like yeah, that. far from places. But yeah, you're right. We we don't. I mean, we talked about banshees. We talked about Fionn McCool, Sam and knowledge. Yeah. Like these are things that we that are part of our kind of. Heritage, heritage, our, like yeah, our psyche, like you know, we think we take the well. In one sense, we take them for granted because they're just we, they're ubiquitous. But yeah, you're right. There's an element of the leprechaun is the Irish abroad, and you know, they're, they're a little they're lame, aren't they? Yeah. I think sort of is. Yeah, I think they're, <laughs> they're seen as a bit like the you know the commercial like a commercial kind of aspect of our mythology. Like that isn't really grounded on anything substantial. Do you know what I mean or or real? Yeah, like Saint, modern Saint Paddy's Day plastic gimmicky like shit, like a, a yeah. beard. Wig, beard wig, <laughs> red beard and a hat. Yeah, gimmicky, tacky, tacky, tacky shit. Yeah. Although, in fairness, I believe, and again, I've never been, there's, what is it, the Leprechaun Museum? Leprechaun like Museum Green? in Dublin, yeah. It actually has the, it's funny enough, called the National Leprechaun Museum. <laughs> 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 Gotta respect that. I don't know how oh. they got that. If that's, you could just give yourself that title. But, uh, that, it does Fair give balls. it an official sounding <laughs> name, all right? Like, as if they have like a team of archaeologists fucking out troving for leprechaun little bones. Bo- little bones, <laughs> little pots, tiny little pots for you to make tea in or something. Slowly walking towards rainbows. Oh, yeah. oh we, I thought we made a breakthrough today. <laughs> yeah. well, we need more funding from the Department of Culture. <laughs> Someone ring them up there. <laughs> oh, Jesus. But uh, yeah, so have you got any other, can you think of any other famous depictions of leprechauns. Did they say the movie of the leprechaun or did they say something? No, you didn't. But that's a good one. That, that it's one of the greatest there. like shit films of all time. If not the great. In my, and I've done a bit of research on shit films like <laughs> Room, you know. Like, I, I like shit films. I like watching shit films. So in the yeah, past yeah. been like, 
oh, what, what are good Shia films? And it's always up. I've never seen five. it. I've never seen that. Have you seen You've it? Never seen it. No, no. Oh yeah, you know Jennifer Aniston is in it. That's what I, she I, got know, I only know that now from yeah. from this. Uh, I, yeah. So stars Jennifer Aniston. You know who plays? Sorry, the leprechaun in that the the, the bad leprechaun, the evil leprechaun is called Lubdan. Just little, little he, he's one of the. Like is it his actual leprechaun name or the actor's that's, name? No, is that uh, that's his that's the character's name? But do you know uh, who played him? Let me think. Let me think here. I'm gonna say Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> yeah, he spent nine months <laughs> living <laughs> getting in. into Lubdan. It took me a long time to get into the mind frame of Lubdan. Which is why he lives in Wicklow now. So still in the mind frame of Lubdan. Um, he worked. He worked as a cashier in the, the National Leprechaun Museum for a, <laughs> for a summer. I need to feel it. No, who played him? Oh well, uh, Warwick Davis. Up? Warwick Davis. The, Warwick Davis played him in the, in the original. Yeah, yeah, I mean he must have been young. I guess I that's early nineties, late eighties, early nineties. Um, but uh, would have been his heyday, I suppose. Actually, you know, I think yeah, yeah. probably coming off the back of oh, Return of the yeah. Jedi. You know. Yeah, and, and the the accent as well. The Irish accent is very much one of the uh, English <laughs> people doing an Irish accent. So, yeah, it's horrible. Um, but it's very funny. And th- th- there's another one. Have you seen the sequels, buddy? No? <laughs> well, well, I mean, I haven't seen the first one. So, I but, uh, have you heard tell of the sequels? No, no. All right. on me. There's one, and again, you can't quote me on this, but it's closely. If you'll, get, you'll know what it's about. You'll know what it's about from what I'm about to say. But I think it's called Leprechaun in the Hood. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, I'm actually, yeah, that rings a bell. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's everything that you think it might be. It's, it's a leprechaun, I think, in Compton. <laughs> and let's say it's, uh, yeah, it's a it's clash your, of... It's your classic fish out of water it's uh, a classic, situation. It's a classic fish out of water situation. Well worth a watch, though, honestly. Wow, okay, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, as far as the, these lists that I was I was piling through, there was a few more ones that were common throughout. I mean, a couple of lepre- other more uh, leprechauns in American culture, in in, the, sport, man. in in the sporting world. Oh God, yeah, Jesus, no, Notre Dame, Notre Dame, Notre Dame, yeah, the Fighting Irish mascot, yeah, so that's one, and then kind of on the similar similarly, um, Lucky, another one called Lucky the Leprechaun, which is the Boston the Boston Celtics mascot. You might not picture him. He's like a black-haired. Yeah, I, I he's like basket. spinning a basketball on his finger. He has more of a bowler hat. So I, yeah, yeah, he's kind yeah. of like a lazy-looking man, Irish guy. man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. more accurate. <laughs> and then we'll round it off. The last one that was was kept coming up on all the various lists was also in the world of sp- sports entertainment. Is that my yes. Yeah. I know where you're going with this, but I can't. I'm trying to picture. Uh, I mean, it's clearly wrestling. Yeah, oh it has God, to be yeah. wrestling. What is it? Was there a leprechaun? He oh, there was. Yeah, was uh, and actually, I think that was his his, his character was a legit a legit. I think they must have been together at some point. I know. And hands up, I had to stop watching wrestling at this point. Hornswoggle was his name. Hornswoggle, yes, I, yeah. I do remember. <laughs> I think he lived I'm under the ring. Sure, why he's called Hornswoggle? I don't. Think. And he wasn't Irish either, but uh, that's I what I was going to say. He was a little person, so I mean. Yeah, so Jonathan, that's leprechauns. I mean, I'm I'm, t- I'm sensing there's a little bit more of a. We were a bit wistful and nostalgic, and we patriotic about the, what we've talked about so far. Is there a bit of more pragmatism here about when we when we're discussing leprechauns and your t- and your take on them? You actually said something uh, at the start, Paddy, of this 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 segment on leprechauns, which was when I said that there's not a fondness 
you jumped in and said, oh, well, look, it's nothing to do with racism or, you know, feeling that. And I don't, feel, I, don't, I don't feel you speak for me in that, <laughs> that circumstance. I, I did grow up feeling like it was the anti-Irishism, do you know what I mean? Because usually what I, in the depictions that I've seen, the leprechaun was drunk as well. They have negative connotations. Like they're drunk, mm. they hide money, they're... I mean, the mischievous thing is funny. I get that. I like mm. that aspect of it. But maybe, and this could be something to do with the fact that I'm a small man, Pat. It could be, probably is. Could be something to do with that. Probably, definitely, definitely something to do with that. But I didn't like the. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. sorry. I should have let you say that earlier. Um, no, 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 no. So, yeah, I, I'm not fond of leprechauns. Okay, okay. That's a good, good, good. I think I would have been a bit more of a your classic Irish person. Like growing up, I just like I'm real. Uh, I said, "Oh, there, there's a there's a leprechaun on, on te- like on The Simpsons, or something like even if it's something really derogatory yeah. against uh, against uh, really insulting." I'd be like, "Oh, it's great that they're thinking about us, isn't it? Yep, it's great that like maybe a bit like de- deference or something like that." But now yeah, I think deference. as I'm a bit older, less trying to fucking get the Americans to notice us. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I take I take on board what you're saying. I think there definitely is an element of. Uh, no, you're yeah, you're, you're right. I, I I do agree with you there. I do like what like and it was most often a leprechaun that the Americans would use uh, in mm-hmm. media, uh, and it did feel a bit like ah, oh, <laughs> but us. again that's still a measure of us today. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still it's... like oh, American, like oh god, yeah. they love us. Like oh, you know, um, the president's coming over. So that's leprechauns. Anyway, we both have different yeah. takes on it. It is, but, it but overall, they're they're going in the bin. They're going into the bin, uh, never to be. Hear that again, unless unless it's Leprechaun Six, Boys in the Hood, or Leprechaun in the Hood Six. <laughs> I like to Google it. <laughs> so, final piece is the Dagda's harp. Okay, so firstly, what do you know about Dagda? I don't know a lot. <laughs> Man, I, I feel like I'm saying that a lot. Right? Yeah. <laughs> no, but but as far as my my the knowledge holes, I would have had in. I don't know. Knowledge holes. Knowledge holes of the <laughs> Banshee or whatever, the, the oh. Salmon and Oz. They were, you know, once they were, you, you kind of read about them, they all came back to you. Um, I didn't know any, any really back background story of, of the Dagda. So, yeah. You know, you, 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 I think, so, I, I assume some people would be in the same boat. Maybe it's not as famous as the other ones. I wouldn't, yeah, no, doubtly. Yeah, I wouldn't say it is. Um, but I agree with, like, I think, you know, you have a vague idea when you hear Salmon and Knowledge and Children and Learn and stuff like that. Whereas, Tag this harp thing is like, which it sounds which, cool I, though. I'm going to describe something to you later on, and this will show you how much or how little rather I knew about uh, the Dagda. And it's like, it's the Dagda different. Old Daggy Dag. <laughs> Snoop Daggy <laughs> Snoop Dag. Snoop, <laughs> <laughs> I was going straight for the Snoop Daggy Dag. Oh, uh, you beat me there. Oh, damn, I wish we had it written a rap. <laughs> I better hurt. That's not bad, man. Yeah, you need some dagda harp in the background. You need some harp, some hardcore harp, some flavor to that. No, beat words, words. Some of the word soup. (laughs) Okay, yes, very good. Okay, so yeah, look, dagda. Um, He was not just a member of Tua de Danan. He was the leader, the chieftain. So what could be... Much like Snoop Doggy Dog was a member of, was one of the leaders of the, I don't know, the West Side. Bad example, Patrick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think you're, if you're going to use... I think it's stretching that analogy. Absolutely, I, yeah. I think we're going to use rap parlance, then maybe Eminem to D12. 
I would say, in that kind of hierarchy of, of talent and import. <laughs> so he's not like, he's not, he's not bizarre or uh, one of the other. Not one of the members. surrounding members. Of the <laughs> he's literally the only one I can remember. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the point. <laughs> Although in fairness, you can't remember fucking Dyke later, so. That's true. Uh, Lear's the, Lear the one that fucking, and he's only in it because of his children. Like, you know what I mean? He's a bum for the most <laughs> yeah. part. He's like, can't hold on to a wife either. But anyway, he was the leader of the Dagda and he, rather than being, I suppose the equivalent uh, that I naturally thought of was Zeus, but rather than being a god of the skies and thunder and stuff like that, he was a god of like the seasons and also of agriculture because that was, you know, Ireland was farming and shit. That was really important. Yeah. So that was the lad himself. Uh, I Also, the Tua de Danan. Are the, are the race before us. So Ireland okay. is, through these collective works, described as having five peoples or six peoples altogether. We're the sixth Irish Gales individuals. Those were called, uh, it's described in this thing called Lebor Gabala Ireland, the Book of Talking, the Book of the Taking of Ireland. It's not literally known as the Book of Invasions. Back to Dagda, he was the chieftain of the old. He was, yeah. To the Danan, and um, this is a story about his famous harp, which is all about how his life got twisted upside down. Ah, by the stealing of a harp. Yes, okay, I'll tag in. So, thanks very much. Yeah, so yeah, as you mentioned, the Dagda was indeed um, kind of the chieftain of, of the, the Tua de Danan. Yes, as the title of this famous tale may indicate, his most prized possession was a magic harp. The harp itself was called the Uitna, again, butchering the Irish language here as we mm. continue to do, but Uitna, maybe. Someone can write in there mm. and correct us. Yes, so, and what was so special about this harp was that it was known to change the seasons, as we've indicated that he was kind of known for, he was linked to the, to the seasons, and was also able to change the emotions of men, women, and children in many mysterious ways. So Dagda, he used to play this harp, um, for his men before they went off to battle to keep their heads kind of clear and focused on victory. And then again, if they were returning from a, from a, a tough battle, uh, he played a harp again to kind of soothe their souls and let, help them forget the, the loss of, of, of their, their, their comrades. So that's, that's the harp. And what happened to the harp, I suppose? Um, the two of the Dantan came to Ireland as you, you gave us a good uh, rundown of, of kind of what, the kind of the, the order in which they were in, in Ireland. But yes, yeah, so when they came to Ireland, they were fighting a, what I have here, they were fighting a people called the Fomorian people. I don't know if that ranks in yeah. your book somewhere. The Fomorians are Fomorians, yeah. So they're the kind of under, they represent the bad aspects of nature, basically. Mm. In my research, they exist as the counterparts to the two of the Danan and us, I think, as well, us okay. being the, the current race and probably the previous races. Is it the bad guys? Yeah, they'd be like, yeah, or looking dudes. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. So, so, they, so they were they were here, so they were in on the island when at the time the two of the Dan came over to, to, to kind of invade essentially. But we could call it nicely <laughs> to to move in to to, to emigrate. To <laughs> <laughs> they were actually invading. But yeah, so so they heard about you never that. you never heard of people screaming <laughs> two of the Danan out, you know. <laughs> During, uh, <laughs> during, uh, and if it wasn't for those two, yeah, you never see that two did not sprayed on some wall somewhere in Halle, <laughs> two did not out and 
all two of the Denanians must die. And <laughs> too, 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 too hard to say. Too hard it's to true. say. It's true. It's true. I just, yeah, true. But Go so, on. yeah, they heard the Fomori, the Fomorians heard about Dagda's harp and decided that the best way to try to defeat him and his clan was to steal the harp. So, you know, weaken him and distract him, etc. So when they were at the two tribes are going to war, Dag, Dag, as described here, he was at home. I don't know what he was just chilling. He was at home. Oh, no, sorry. He was at war and he wasn't at home. <laughs> slightly, slightly different than home. That makes more sense. So he was, he, he was fighting. He was at home, just watching, like, reading a bit of shit, a little bit of cleaning. No, he was actually at war. He was at war. Yeah. Grievous, horrible war. <laughs> he, was, he was, yeah. So, but, but the harp was at home, is what I mean. The harp was on so the, some some Fomorian chieftains uh, snuck in and pinched it from his house. Yeah. Can I just say, uh, sorry, what the sorry, just a quick one on that. The, his den on his house, on that matter, his house was uh, Newgrange. Ah, like this house is Newgrange. Okay. Yeah, there you oh, go. That's that was yeah. his abode. Um, if anywhere Sweet listeners aren't aware of Newgrange, it's like <laughs> it's Ireland's pyramids. Described it's older than they're considerably they're considerably older, older. Yeah. but no, what I mean is in terms of but and a lot less impressive, I guess. In, in yeah. Sense. yeah, yeah, I, I mean, yes, they're less sophisticated, but that's just the fact that you know, what I mean, he was yeah. a bit of he's more of a yeah, humble guy, you know. I just needed yeah. this little you were saying, Patrick, sorry, before I rudely interrupted. Uh, yes, no, 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 please do. All all rude interruptions are very much welcome. Uh, so the two of the Dan won, but they noticed. After a while, that Dagda's harp would be missing. So they all went searching. They went far and wide across the, across the island of Ireland in search for this uh, very important harp. Meanwhile, the Fomorians had kind of scattered to an abandoned castle to hide out and safeguard the, the harp. Dagda's men, after searching high, high and far and wide across the country, yet found them, found this castle, and they entered it. But when they got there, they were outnumbered by the Fomorians. So it was kind of like crap. We probably should have taught this a bit more true. So the Fomorians were getting ready. To, like this is our, this has worked, you know. We they took the bait. They come to get it. Blah blah blah. Let's get them. But Dagda, he called out for his for his harp from across a, a banquet hall or a, whatever's in an abandoned uh, castle. <laughs> and just from recognizing his voice, the harp flew up and left the Fomorians and went to into Dagda's arms. Oh, so at this, yeah, yeah. So that that's kind of magic, I guess. So so at this point, then, and I guess this is probably the real kicker of the story. Dagda started, he played three songs on his magic harp. The first being the music of tears, which uh, resulted in the women and children of the Fomorians, of which there were loads of them there for some reason. Or else it just meant across the country, actually. Maybe that was, that was what it was. So all Fomorian women and children could hear it, who heard this, uh, broke into, they started sobbing, uncontrollable tears and crying. They were unconsolable. So then the second song was the music of mirth which made the Fomorians laugh so hard that they dropped their weapons and actually were drained of energy because they were laughing so hard. Their, their sides were splitting pretty much. They're getting splitting. tickled, man. Right? Yeah. It's a tickle, yeah. Nobody likes that shit. No, it was uncomfortable, yeah. It crossed the line of fun. Um, and then the final song was The Music of Sleep. As you may uh, guess what that was, they all the Fomorians started dancing. Into- <laughs> they fell into a deep, deep sleep in each other's, and it says uh, adds here that they fell into uh, a deep sleep in each other's arms, which was um, unnecessary, oh, but quite nice twist. To yeah, yeah. So once yep. the Fomorians then were asleep, Dagda and his men were able to escape because they were obviously outnumbered at that time. Since they'd already won the war, they got the harp back, and thus, with the help of the harp, 
the two de Danan were able to defeat the, F- the Fomorians and become the, I don't know, the people of Ireland, the, the next race of mm. Ireland. <laughs> All right. Yeah. 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 Hoorah! I mean, it's not a lot going on that story, Our but classic. Uh, yeah, it's. No, it's, no. If you like harps. <laughs> Sorry, I was harping on a little bit there. No. Uh, no, it does make you want to lick my passport and pour Guinness over my head. So, you're aware of my local pub. Are you you aware of my local pub? Do you know what my local is? The, the name of it is. Wait, the, the black horse or something like that. You cut you you were you almost uh, got you, you it's the horseshoe. The horseshoe. Oh, okay, okay, I'll say, take that. Yeah, yeah, you're very, very close. Oh, that's pretty good. I'm happy with that. The horseshoe is it wouldn't be the most glamorous pub in the world. And I think by its own standards and by its regulars and inhabitants, admirers and critics alike, it wouldn't be the nicest place in the world as okay, well. Okay. Not the not, not nicest place, but you know. It would have got a bad reputation over the years, some bad elements at times, but by and large, it's, it is community people, never really trouble. It's a humble pub and it's gone through many variations. Recently, and I don't think it's been tried before, they, they decided to venture into the food game. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Now, they did for a long, long time have a heavy association with food, and that was, I'm pretty sure it was probably just a continuous stew that was made <laughs> it's probably cooked on the Saturday like it's probably like you know like sourdough you know the way you yeah, yeah, like like take a, a bit of sourdough yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I'd Starter say this thing, yeah. it's probably decades old this stew if you went down to the, the nub of it you know if you got down to the, the core of the stew it's probably 1973 when it was first actually put on the hob like but basically that was it so anyway it's now turned into a restaurant now I must admit right prior to this podcast and recording this and my knowledge of this and, and this is going to shame me as well but i'm going to admit i am i actually didn't know who dagda was right okay. so a rumor had spread around <laughs> crumlin right <laughs> that a, a polish woman had opened the restaurant <laughs> above the horseshoe <laughs> and her name was dagda what was the restaurant called dagda's the da- the dagda. it's called dagda it's not called the dagda <laughs> It's called Dagda's. And so this, this, this like, I mean, I hear it at the time, everyone was literally like, what the fuck is Dagda's? Like, what is it? What, what does, I don't know what it means. Like, do you mean? And as I, as I describe this pub to you, you know what I mean? Like, it is very, like, you know, very old school Irish, you know, there's karaoke on a Saturday and there's a pool table at the back. And it's, you know, I'm sure people probably still smoke it from time to time. I, I'm not sure. Like, you know, but it's, anyway. That's the type of pub it is. So it's called Dagda's. This what is... do they serve in Dagda's? <laughs> so... <laughs> I mean, Polish. It's a no, Polish dish. Like... <laughs> Dumplings. So what, it, what it is basically, right, is it's basically like standard diner food, right? So it's like... Okay. Yeah, you know, hot dogs, burgers. And, and, and to its credit now, I must get... Like, I'm taking the fucking piss here, right? But, to do you know, hot dog. A lot of people you speak to say it's nice. Say it's quite nice, okay. you know? And I haven't tried it yet, too. So... Far be it for me to be sitting there criticizing them and I haven't even tried it yet. So I won't speak with the food. I don't, well, I will in terms of what I've heard. People said it's good, but I can't personally speak about it. What I can speak about though (laughs) is kind of (laughs) the branding and identity. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, I'm thinking uh, it's called Dagda. Yeah. I would have assumed that they're going to lean on this harp motif. Yeah. uh, Yeah. And there's a horseshoe downstairs. It's, it's real. You can kind of 
Irish, you know. You, yeah. Well, you might think that, right? <laughs> you might. I'm going to yeah. send you right now, Paddy, on WhatsApp, the flyer. Now, this is a flyer. Now, bear in mind now, right? This is a flyer. <laughs> okay. it's, a, it's, it's the menu. A, wait, a waiting message. <laughs> yeah, it's the menu. Now, okay. Message if you'd like to describe to me okay. the kind of okay. theme of what's going on in that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How can I describe this? It's something, think of the worst nightmare <laughs> mixed with that bad acid trip you had back in 65 okay so okay so it, it's a menu type thing yeah it's a flyer menu it's got a just eat and an uber eat you know logo that's all pretty normal and it's got the normal print of pizza chips burger blah 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 and then it's but it's printed over kind of a faded I mean, I'm going to say the Joker from Batman. <laughs> it's the Joker from Batman. Like pulling his own hair out, out while his and blood dripping from his mouth. All around his mouth. His eyes and down onto his dicky bow as well. He's bleeding. <laughs> his eyes are rolling back like the Undertaker or something. <laughs> yeah, that's wow. Yeah. And to, to highlight that even further, the wallpaper of Dagda's party is that <laughs> oh god whoa that's intense like that is yeah. it's a very intense picture the, the wallpaper of Dagda's the Irish god and above the horseshoe pub traditional Irish pub where they serve American food <laughs> the wallpaper is comic books and stuff like that so uh, oh. it's very very it's very com- graphic comic book <laughs> <laughs> adult <laughs> comic strips uh, that is confusing. It's a confusing uh, vision that that proprietor, the owner of, of Dagnes had, but I oh, respect them all the more for it. It's, oh, yeah, it's it's as well. That is a good t- way to finish off on Dagda Dagda's harp. Indeed, indeed. We've come a long way. Radio, the end of another episode, Jono. What you make of that one? Yeah, slightly longer than our usual um, pods, and uh, I think we took a different approach with this one slightly, wouldn't you say? Yeah, the, you could say we've purposefully ditched the funny stuff for... Uh... Yeah, we've we reduced <laughs> the entertainment factor, certainly. Um... <laughs> ramped up the, <laughs> Education. the winding, <laughs> the long rambling story. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah. It's, we're diversifying. Exactly, exactly. You got to try new things, push the boundaries, you know, all that kind of shit. But no, I think it was enjoyable. I think it was a, an interesting topic in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, it, it, uh, it's it's nice to touch on touch on our roots, the Irish roots. Love touching on those roots, <laughs> getting my hands right around uh, those roots. And also the recording process of this episode itself is it's uh, it's almost seemed like we've been recording for months. It does seem that way, but in podcast land, yeah. that's, you know, it's like the way the camera puts 10 pounds on you, you know, it's one of those things. Spotify puts six months on, a, Absolutely. <laughs> on you. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, quality over quantity as well was always our motto coming in from the start. Yeah, but not on this occasion. <laughs> now it's quantity over quality. That's, we've changed that around. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so yeah, it's great. Irish folklore in the bag, baby. But anyway, I had a question for you. Uh, what's uh, any word from our old pal Dermot recently? It's funny you should mention that. Patrick, it turns out that um, he was an undocumented Irish man. And uh, has... uh, speaking of Irish folklore, <laughs> yeah, there's a rich, yeah, rich yeah. history in that. Yeah, so he's being deported. Oh, dear. Um, which is tough for him because he 
was uh, slated to star in Leprechaun 5, <laughs> Leprechaun in the Hamptons. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he, he, he's, yeah, unfortunately, he got fucked out of the country. Oh, my God. Um, so what, what's, what was he doing with himself now in Ireland, back in Ireland? He's doing some bar work, um, okay. as undocumented Irish people typically do. Um, <laughs> not in Ireland, though. <laughs> not in Ireland, usually, no, that's true. But, he, yeah, he's... He's got a he's got a job in well I would know as Lily Bordello's famous celebrity nightclub haunt in Dublin in on Grafton Street correct famous for Eamon Dunphy I think isn't he, he always uh, yeah I think he might there. have uh, sang a few ditties or something at a piano sang a few yeah grabbed <laughs> a few ditties as well I'd say um, <laughs> oh, sorry Eamon if you're listening <laughs> we love you baby we love you baby. Um, but yeah, so uh, it's yeah. It, funnily enough, though, yeah, he's he's been working there. He's happy enough. Good. But he he texted me the other day and he said um, he he'd been going through the archives, mm. um, the CCTV archives. It's normal for a barman. Yeah, yeah. He's a nosy <laughs> bastard, man. Um, and basically, he he said he came across this particular recording of two famous individuals, two mm. very different uh, individuals, but famous. Um, one maybe more internationally famous than the other, but. Yeah, he he basically sent this uh, recording to us. Um, oh wow! Okay, well I, I'm 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 intrigued. I'm sure the listeners out there are on Tinder hooks as we speak. It's an interesting video. It's an interesting video. Slap um, it in the in in the in the player there. I will. I'll slap it right in there. Hello. Go easy on that bag, Glenda. You gluttonous, gluttonous sow. Um. Hello. Uh, th- there are people out here looking for a popo. But, 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 sorry, Glenda, just give me one moment. Fuck off out there, will you? We're busy in here. I'll come out there right now and box the head off you. Ha! Please! <laughs> I'm the ex-middleweight champion of the world. Well, I'm the current featherweight Uchtaran Heron. Right, I'm coming out there now, big fella. Glenda, watch the bag there for me, darling. Oh, oh, oh my. A little leprechaun, man. Oh, oh, Christopher Eubank. Um, well, well, what are you doing in Lily's Bordello? I was flown here in economy class by a rider. Now, two seats were booked uh, empty either side. It was very luxurious uh, to open a new deal in Balbriggan. Uh, you've never been before. No, I haven't, I haven't made it out there yet as far as Balbriggan, Chris. Oh, anyway, anyway. Uh, I believe a pummeling is in order for you. Oh, oh, well, well, Chris, uh, let's calm down. Uh, could, would you like a sweetie? A sweetie? A sweetie? Absolutely. Uh, what kind of sweetie have we got? I should just take it and, and, and you'll see. Of course. Michael! Michael! Uh, may I ask, uh, what, what sweeties were you? Uh, what, what were those sweeties? Oh, oh, Chris, um, they were two Mitsubishis. I got them off a tuk-tuk driver on Hardcourt Street earlier on this afternoon. Oh, Glenda! Glenda, where's that bag, you beautiful bitch? You're driving a Mitsubishi on Hardcourt Street this afternoon. I, I don't understand that. Uh, but I tell you, I'm feeling uh, like I, I love you, Michael. I feel like I, I really love you. Um... I must say, I feel like I, I want to sing. Oh, me, me too, Chris. Won't you join me then? Let's, let's sing for Ireland. Okay. 
We had some laughs. We shot the shit. But now we've come to the final bit. Thanks for joining us today. In a very special way. We hope you had some fun with us. Without a widow on the bus. So we leave and part at last. See you again. On Ireland's favorite podcast. Ah, oh, that's a good fucking show there, Michael. For me, Michael.